0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, December 29th. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Wilkinson Library wraps up 2022, finding belonging through social justice parenting, poetry to ring in a new year, and a mountain weather forecast. If you've so much as stepped foot in Telluride, chances are you've checked out the library. Hulking over West Pacific Avenue, it's host to not only shelves of books, but dozens of community events, capacious armchairs, and many a friendly face. KOTO sat down with the library director, Sarah Lander Yu, and manager of public services, Jill Wilson, to talk about the library's year in review. Wilson begins by revealing the most checked-out item of 2022.
1: A lot of people like fiction, um, and the top book this year, it was checked out 108 times. It was Lessons in Chemistry um, by Bonnie Garmus, and I actually read this book and really enjoyed it as well. And
2: It's a great book for everybody to read, your mother to read, your daughter to read, your nieces to read. It's a very woman-powered, woman-centric book. So, yeah, that was one of the
1: top fiction titles.
2: Um, one of the
1: top non-fic was Breath by James Nestor, which actually didn't come out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this whole book is about how we have been breathing incorrectly <laughs> and <laughs> the right way to breathe. Um, and everybody that has read this book uh, really enjoys it. So
2: I think one of the more fun parts of this, though, is the music. We still have CDs. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the top circulating CDs, is, they still make these. Now, that's what I call music. And this is number 80. And these are like <laughs> just like a way for if you want to stay current because you're just stuck in your old genre of music, that you can say, okay, I want to know what's popular now. So this one's got like Dua Lipa and Maroon 5 and Post Malone. So it's, it keeps you current.
0: <laughs> now, can you also rent out a CD player?
2: Yes,
1: mm-hmm. you can, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. A DVD player mm-hmm. as well, because, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, as we all know, most of the mm-hmm. uh, laptops and TVs don't have a way to play a disc anymore. So, yeah, you can check that out at the library, mm-hmm. um, which kind of goes into our unusual items. Um, we We got some... Some stats. It was no surprise that our top unusual item for checkout was a hot spot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people in this area that don't have access to good internet, so that those got checked out a lot, as well as the snowshoes and the bikes. Yeah.
0: So in terms of special items, how you know, as compared to a traditional like fiction book, how many? What are the numbers like? How much more are those going out the door?
1: I mean, well, like, kind of what we've mentioned is, you know, just this increase in digital use. Mm-hmm.
2: So now, digital circulation is about thirty-one percent of what we do, mm-hmm. and in the past, that was a really small number.
0: And when you have a book that uh, you're you're just thinking, oh my gosh, it's flying off the mm-hmm. shelves. We mm-hmm. can't, mm-hmm. you know, keep up with the wait list. What do you do? Do you try to buy more? Mm-hmm. Do you Wow. um try to find a similar thrill, you know what? What's the strategy? <laughs> we
2: we do try to buy multiple copies, and, and we monitor the the hold lists. Yeah. I just feel like that
1: Lessons in Chemistry is literally everybody's book club mm-hmm. book right now. Yeah. It's got a
2: lot to <laughs> yeah. talk about in there. Yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah. you know, so that one has a, a very mm-hmm. long wait list um, right now at the library. But we do have some some of the other ones, are like the Lincoln Highway by More Tolls, or the It Girl by Ruth Ware, for more of the thriller whodunit. Um, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig was one of my very favorites from from 2022, Um, and all of those are actually on the shelf at the library right now, so those just came in behind, just behind Lessons in Chemistry in our top five checked out, uh, fiction books from 2022. And those are actually on the shelf. So if you don't want to wait and wait around for lessons in chemistry, there's some other, we always have a good suggestion. Um,
0: and if I do want to wait for lessons in chemistry, how long will it be?
1: We don't know. It depends on how quickly
2: the people ahead of you read the book. Yeah. So
1: if you know anybody that has it checked out, just tell them to hurry up.
0: (laughs) Do you have any, um, other hopes or themes for 2023 upcoming
1: we're always kind of looking at ways to get out into the communities um, but we have something new coming down the pipeline that many people might not have heard of of yet but we're going to have a holds pickup locker in lawson um, at the interchange lot and then also a drop box there too so then you know our lawson community members they don't want to drive all the way into town. It's very far, <laughs> but they have the, they have the access right there. Yeah, I do kind of want to mention one more thing. Um, we're actually starting Spanish classes, um, and they're already full. I mean, there was an overwhelming response. It was something we've been um, we'd heard from the community members a lot uh, a request for programming. So we listened. We partnered with Bright Futures. Um, looked for that in 2023.
0: While this conversation barely scratches the surface, a full picture of library offerings is available at telluridelibrary.org. There, you can also sign up for a monthly email to stay in touch with Wilkinson Updates. As we move from one year to the next, many individuals and families turn their sights to resolutions and ways to grow and develop in the coming one. Earlier this year, KOTO's Julia Caulfield spoke with Tracy Baxley, author of the book Social Justice Parenting, How to Raise Compassionate, Anti-Racist, Justice-Minded Kids in an Unjust World, about her book and her work Raising Children in a Complex World. This story was originally broadcast in May 2022.
3: Tracy Baxley believes parenting is a form of activism.
4: The way we show up for our kids in our house, the values that we teach, the things that we say to our kids the way that we um, model things for our kids is teaching our kids how to show up in the world and so we have to be intentional and purposeful in in the way that we're doing that if we are trying to kind of raise kids who are socially engaged uh, and who are actively compassionate and kind to people outside of our homes.
3: Baxley is a mother author professor and consultant on issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion. Baxley says she's been drawn to social justice work for years, looking for ways to find belonging in, at times, difficult spaces. She says while the word social justice has become politicized, to her, it's about that sense of belonging. Social justice to me is just um, wanting everybody
4: to live their full potential life, right? That everybody has... All of their basic needs and met, and having the same opportunities. And I think if we look at it from the lens of just this idea of humanity, right? Giving everybody the best of what we have to offer, and making sure everybody has those opportunities to have it. Um, it, it has nothing to do with our, our political leanings, right? It's just about being a human, looking out for all humans, and that's the way I approach the idea of social justice parenting. It's not about politics at all. It's just about us seeing the humanness in in each other and really, you know, taking ownership of what our responsibility is for, for one another and that connection that we all have.
3: She notes social justice parenting doesn't need to be reserved specifically for those who have children, but highlights the relationship between parent and child, sets an example for how young people exist in the world. While discussing race and racism may feel like a challenge for some, Baxley encourages families to lean in to the uncomfortable.
4: I think being uncomfortable is a really good space, right? Because it means you're aware. It means you're doing some reflection. It means to me that you have the capacity and the willingness to grow. In the journey of activism, in the journey of being socially engaged, we are going to say the wrong things, right? It's it's how we learn and grow. We are going to make mistakes. Um, I think about when I'm showing up uh, for people in other communities where I know I have privilege, like the LGBTQ community, I say and do things that are not appropriate all the time. But um, that's how I learn. That's how I grow. And I don't think people are going to be as negative about the mistakes, as you think, right? Because I think we're all in a place in our country right now or in the world where we want to see people asking the questions. We want to see people are growing and trying to learn about um,
3: different narratives. She adds modeling messing up is a good thing. It also shows
4: them that you are not perfect and that you're not expecting them to be perfect and that this is us growing together as a family. So I think kids learn life lessons when they see us stumble and they see us um, not having all the answers.
3: And Baxley says to start talking about social justice work now. I
4: really feel like it's never too early. When they're three, when they're five, you don't have to tell them everything, but you really do want to allow their natural curiosities to lead conversations. We don't want to shut that down when they're asking questions that make us feel uncomfortable, because when we are raising kids through our own fear, our own anxieties right that is what our kids learn in the world we want to raise our kids um supporting them leaning into their own curiosities and so those hard questions are going to come up
3: for parents looking to start those conversations but feeling a little uncomfortable Baxley notes there are several ways to dive in while buying yourself some time
4: you acknowledge their curious question like you know what a great question what a great curious question um I'm so glad you thought about something so, you know, such h- hard, so, such a hard question or things that are going on around the world. I see you're really listening and paying attention, right? So acknowledging that the question they're asking is a really great, curious question.
3: She also encourages families to dive into the conversation together. The other thing that you can say is, you know what, I don't
4: have the answer to that right now. I, m- Mom really needs to think about that because I'm not sure. Um, So then that buys you more time to write, to kind of figure things out. And the other thing you can say is, you know what, that's a great question. Let's figure that out together. And then you go about your life or your day, really learning from with your kids, you know, looking it up, researching it, reading about it, talking about it and growing about it together. And you can even say to your kids, you know what, when I was little, I didn't have these conversations with grandma and grandpa. It was something that people didn't talk about. And I'm so glad you're asking that question because I think the more we're talking about it, the more we learn about each other and then the ways that we can see how we are responsible
3: and helping. The bottom line, Baxley says, is to take action. Doing
4: nothing is probably the worst way to do it, right? That is really important that we are always being reflective and intentional about making steps toward um, teaching our kids about others and teaching our kids to honor and celebrate people's differences and people's lived experiences. So in in your own journey, no matter how small those steps are, you know, keep making steps to to have this open dialogue um, with your children um, and the people around you.
0: That was Tracy Baxley, author of Social Justice Parenting, speaking with KOTO's Julia Caulfield earlier this year. Perhaps in the grand scheme of things, a year is an arbitrary unit of time. But for some, the year's end marks an opportunity for reflection and celebration. San Miguel County's Poet Laureate Joanna Spindler takes the opportunity of the new year to share some poetic words of reflection on time and how we measure it and methods natural, celestial, and entirely human.
5: Starting a new year by the Gregorian calendar has never made much sense to me. Solstice, yes, and the natural celebration of lengthening days it brings. But not the arbitrary January 1st, this observance decreed by mad old Caesar, bowing to the also-mad god Janus, the two-faced, who looks forward and backwards at the same time. I love that, but give me Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish new year that comes in the fall, when the year is winding to an autumnal close, and all of earth is going to rest and harvest is palpable. Or Nowruz, the Persian New Year, beginning on the vernal equinox, just as spring is birthing something truly new. Time is arbitrary and so is our relationship to it and all of our minutes and months and decades and New Year's all the same. I just hope that we can remember that. So here's a little poem that I wrote lately. It's called Genesis. Stars fell coldly through the sky when you were born. Beautiful but senseless to the wisdom you would bring and fathomage into a planet rife with conflict and yet still full of dreamers. As an infant, you would sleep with one eye open, ready, ready. No one taught you how to read the faces of the multitude around you. You sprang, human literate, straight from Zeus's head, and you knew music like a language. No one has wound your inner compass. You have done that by yourself, been guided, autotelic, self complete, unto this day. Do not doubt your lodestones. They are yours alone. And this new era dawns with questions. That is true. But on your open palm, there is an atlas of your own. Open it now and listen to it. And the life beat of your heart. And know the unsung next. And... Just for the new year and the coming of longer days, here's another. It's called So Beautiful or So What. The hero rides into the bitter dust of sunset, never to be seen again. The shellfish surrenders its gentle body and every memory and flavor of the sea into the stew and no one notices. A street dog wags a friendly tail, but everyone walks by. Everything is spilling over with a miracle so fine it would blind you if you looked too close. And no one even bothers to take off their sunglasses. Let it in. Let it all wash over you and bowl you over. Learn it from the youngest of us the baby, absolutely raptured by the moon, magically returning, suspended in the sky above us every night. Learn it from the simplest, the joy a little squirrel has in just one lowly peanut, the way a lichen clings tenacious to the stone that is its always lover. Learn it from the joy the ocean has to greet the shore in every lapping wave and learn it from the quietest among us. How the trees stretch out their grateful twigs to greet the dawn. Today is new, they say. Today is
6: new.
0: That was San Miguel County's Poet Laureate Joanna Spindler sharing work for the new year. Some good news for winter recreators this week as the Uray Ranger District has signed a final approval for a network of cross country ski trails on the Uncompagre Plateau. The roughly nine mile trail network is located off the Dave Wood Road between Ridgeway and Norwood and is about a 50 minute drive from each community. The Grand Mesa Gunnison in Uncompahgre National Forest hosts a trail network on their land, and the trails are maintained by the Uncompahgre Nordic Trail Association. Signage and maps have been recently installed and in a ribbon-cutting ceremony is planned and open to the public for January 6. The ceremony is at 5.30 p.m., and afterwards, the trails will be open for a moonlight ski. Up-to-date information can be found on the Uncompahgre Nordic Trails Association Facebook page. Got the post-holiday blues? Clearing that tree out of your house could help you move on. The San Miguel County Christmas Tree Recycling Station is up and running at the church camp parking lot on the intersection of Ilium and Sunshine Mesa Roads. The county asks that you remove all lights and decorations and bring no debris or trash except your bare tree. The site closes down on January 31st. Registration is now open for providers who want to participate in the state's free universal preschool program. The state-funded program launches next fall. All licensed preschool providers can participate. To start the registration process, contact your local coordinating organization. That's found on the Department of Early Childhood website. 250 providers have already registered, but there are over 12,000 positions open Family enrollment for free preschool begins on January 17th. The state joint budget committee continues to review next year's spending plan. As KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports, Governor Jared Polis is asking for almost 25% more money than he did at the beginning of his first term. Governor Polis sent his budget proposal to the committee last month. It asked for more than $42 billion in spending, including more than $16 billion from Colorado's General Fund. If that's approved, the state's budget will have grown by more than $8 billion since Polis took office. The increase is based partly on Colorado's strong economic outlook heading into 2023. But economists warn that inflation, a potential recession, and decreasing federal funding could pose challenges. The budget will also have to cover more than 1,000 new state employees. One new agency, the Department of Early Childhood, needs 200 new employees next year. The legislature will vote on the final budget package in March or April. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. The question? Repair it or replace it. When a home appliance, a mobile phone, or another piece of technology stops working, we might not know how to fix it ourselves, so we throw it out and buy a new one. But there's a growing number of do-it-yourself organizations and advocates that are helping demystify repair work and reduce the amount of fixable stuff that gets thrown away. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Sam
7: Fuqua reports. Okay, so i got these tiny little screws here. A couple months ago, my 2014 MacBook Air, a laptop made by Apple, started running out of power really fast and displaying a message reading, Replace battery now. A local Mac repair shop said it would cost $150 for them to install a new battery and get rid of the old one. I found a company online called iFixit, for $100 they sold me a new battery and a couple of special little tools to open the laptop and I live in Boulder County so I was able to take the old battery to the county's hazardous materials collection facility and get rid of it for free. I had to wait a few days for the battery and the tools to arrive by mail from iFixit but I would have also had to wait for the local shop to do the work. It took me about 15 minutes to install and I saved 50 bucks.
2: That's awesome. We hear that kind of story all the time.
7: Elizabeth Chamberlain is director of sustainability at iFixit, the company that sold me the battery replacement kit. In addition to selling parts and tools, the California-based business offers thousands of free repair guides for everything from tractors to toasters. Many of the guides are translated in up to 12 languages. She says battery replacement is one of the most common consumer concerns
2: batteries are consumables. They will go bad in basically every consumer electronic device they're used in. But most of those things aren't built to make it as easy as it should be to do that kind of replacement. And I think manufacturers have a vested interest in keeping that information locked away so that you are going to the Apple store and using their authorized repair center to do it.
7: Apple says that by keeping battery replacement in-house, they are trying to protect consumers. And there have been some documented cases of combustion from rechargeable lithium-ion batteries. That's the kind used in computers, phones, and other devices. But in a 2021 report, the Federal Trade Commission examined tech manufacturers' claims that Allowing individuals and unauthorized repair shops to replace these batteries posed a safety risk. The FTC found no evidence to support that claim, as long as the person replacing the battery takes simple safety precautions. And I apparently lucked out with my MacBook battery being so easy to remove. In some computers and cell phones, the batteries are glued in place, making removal much more difficult. But whether you replace a battery yourself or pay someone else to do it, there is a crucial third option that you did not choose, throwing your device away. The Environmental Protection Agency says electronics waste is the fastest-growing segment of the U.S. waste stream. Danny Katz heads COPERG, the Colorado Public Interest Research Group, a consumer advocacy nonprofit.
6: Increasingly, things are designed in a way that we can't repair or fix them, and we're forced to throw them away and buy new stuff, which is a ripoff for consumers, and it's also just bad for our planet.
7: COPERG and its parent organization, USPERG, are part of a broad coalition of consumer and environmental groups, independent repair organizations, and individual do-it-yourselfers who promote legislation called Right to Repair. Katz explains.
6: The idea of right to repair is that you should have the ability to fix your stuff. Unfortunately, more and more, the stuff we buy has these digital components to it. So even if you had the screwdriver that you need to unscrew the piece, and even if you could figure out how to fix what's broken you don't have access to the software to be able to tell the computer it's fixed and so oftentimes it still doesn't work
7: earlier this year coperg worked with the disability community to pass state legislation making it easier for wheelchair users to replace batteries and repair their chairs wheelchair manufacturers fought that bill danny katz
6: they didn't have access to the things they needed to fix their wheelchairs, and it was having a major impact on the community. So we're happy to have passed that bill this year. Governor signed it, and it will require that wheelchair manufacturers uh, provide access to the parts, tools, manuals, and, and digital access to owners and independent repairers so they can fix their wheelchairs.
7: The Colorado Wheelchair Repair Law goes into effect January 1st. It's one of the first in the country. A much broader right-to-repair bill, covering many consumer electronics, passed in the New York State Legislature earlier this year and is awaiting the governor's signature. So
6: yeah, i I'm not, I'm not convinced that the is...
7: On a recent Sunday afternoon at the Boulder Main Library, about a dozen people huddled around work tables in Building 61, the library's makerspace. It's the Boulder You Fix It Clinic where volunteer coaches help people learn how to repair a wide range of electronics and household items. Sylvain Heyun is helping fix a noisy fan.
6: We try different things. We start with oil first, putting some oil on the axe here in the middle. And that did work a little bit better, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And then we took everything apart, in fact and we cleaned up inside the bearing, which was a little bit dusty And when we cleaned up, and it seems to be better.
7: The retired engineer says he enjoys volunteering at the clinics and helping people be more confident about trying their own repairs.
6: It's fun and uh, that empower the people who not, doesn't have much knowledge to open and to figure out and don't trash that. It's easy to open, it's easy to repair most of the time.
7: The fan belongs to Erin Brennan. She says she did learn some things.
1: They were empowering me to like open up, take off screws and stuff so I appreciate that because I would like to, you know, I've never seen the inside of a little motor like that before.
7: At another table was a guy with a turntable and stereo speakers. There was also a cell phone, an electric lawnmower and a coffee maker. Clinic volunteers say they see all kinds of kitchen appliances, inkjet printers, and a lot of lamps. We always ask our our participants three questions. What was this thing like when it was working? What happened when it broke? And what have you done since then? Wayne Seltzer founded the Boulder U-Fix-It Clinic about 10 years ago in partnership with local nonprofit EcoCycle. There are now about 1,000 people on his U-Fix-It mailing list, He's also an engineer and says he grew up in a family of frugal immigrants, learning how to fix stuff from his dad. Seltzer loves passing on that knowledge. What I'm most proud of is when people who come here claiming to not know how to use a screwdriver eventually learn enough skills they want to volunteer as a coach. So that is awesome. So whether you want to save money, reduce waste, or just learn more about how devices work, the Boulder U-Fix-It Clinic is there to help you exercise your right to repair. For KGNU, I'm Sam Fuqua.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the Western San Juans calls for a chance of snow tonight, late, with a low around 10 degrees. Friday calls for a high near 30 degrees, with cloudy skies becoming snowy in the afternoon. Snow continues Friday night with a forecast low of 20, and accumulations of three to five inches possible. Saturday should be snowy and breezy, with a high near 30, and Saturday night, New Year's Eve, is likely to be snowy again, with a low in the high 20s. This has been the news for Thursday, December 29th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story, idea, or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.